Ed, you're not very well, I'm given to understand. Well, yeah, got a bit of a cold. It, it might well be Hernandez-itis. Uh, after my bold prediction that there's absolutely no way that Javier Hernandez would go to Real Madrid or United would let Danny Welbeck go, because that would be mental, capital letters, exclamation, exclamation. Unless they're planning to get another striker in. Did we say that? Did we say that? I'm not I, sure. I, th- I think we might have said that, but um, I, I'm I'm not sure that any of us saw Radamel Falcao in the offing, did we? So... Let's just start with that. Why not start at the end and work backwards? It was the night before Christmas, the night before transfer deadline day. I was on Twitter too late at night and Tancredi Palmieri, noted buffoon. Troll. Uh, yeah. Started tweeting, Falcao to MEFC looks like it really might be happening. And of course, everyone roundly mocked him and I sort of just burst out laughing at the very concept that a football person could be talking about this. But then 24 hours later, or a little bit more than 24 hours later, he was a Manchester United player. What the heck happened? Well, yeah, those in the know, apparently not us, claim that uh, United had been looking at Falcao for some time and in fact had thought about making a bid last summer and ditched it uh, and had thought about making a bid earlier in the summer and only accelerated their moves uh, once it was known that uh, Manchester City and Arsenal were interested. It seems a little dodgy to me, that one. I I think uh, this was another opportunistic move by United and by a chief executive who's somewhat obsessed with the marketing value of players. He sees them as assets in a global game to bring in sponsors. Fair enough, on the pitch, uh, he's an outstanding forward, one of the the finest strikers in world football, Um, notwithstanding uh, what's happening to his knee. We'll find out whether he's truly fit again. Uh, but pace, skill, fantastic touch, brilliant with either foot. Uh, you really couldn't tell which foot is his strongest. Great in the air, movement is superb, technically outstanding. Uh, Fox in the box, he doesn't really assist anything at all, but he scores uh, well over a goal every two games uh, in every level of play, and, and it's a great move for United. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I always think of when I think of Falcao is that Europa League final between Athletic Bilbao and uh Atletico Madrid when Bilbao had absolutely destroyed us in on their route to that and Herrera played of course and um, we got two players from that probably the two best players in that game right no maybe not but Falcao was just on a totally another level in that game and really who is there other than Ronaldo or Messi who you would say assuming his knee is up to scratch we could have bought a better player in the world than this yeah I mean he's right up there in the in the top echelon of players in world football and uh, only available um, because um, Monaco's Russian billionaire owner has seemingly fallen out of love with the game after he had to pay the French Football League a bribe effectively in order for Monaco to be able to continue with their tax-free status. It's an interesting turn of events so they sold James Rodriguez uh, to Real Madrid obviously in the summer and then it was sort of known in the last 24-48 hours before the window closed that Falcao was also available. Lots and lots of clubs offered him. United, apparently the only team that was prepared to meet the terms, which is exceedingly expensive. So £6 million transfer loan fee. So, you know, it's funny people call it a loan. There aren't actually such a thing as a international loan. It's a, it's a one-year contract, effectively. And uh, for which United paid £6 million, although Monaco are paying part of his taxes. So Monaco are going to be netting out a zero for this, effectively. Uh, And United are picking up uh, the rest of his wages, which is in excess of uh, 
of £10 million a year. So it's a, it's a pretty expensive move by United, but it's going to look cheap if he scores the goals that fires United back into the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we joke about marketing, but I'm sure that cost is offset to a degree, isn't it, by the marketing potential of a player like that? Because it's not a, you know, £70 million purchase or whatever it would have been to actually buy him. There is an option to buy. I don't know if it's come out exactly how much that is, but... 55 million euros, yeah, yeah, which is in the low 40s, and they'll take off the fee they've paid this year. So it's going to cost United another £35 million or so to make it permanent or turn the one-year contract into a four-year contract. And and if he's as good as he used to be, that'll be well worth the money indeed. So, yeah, I mean, of course, the the things that counting against him are the fact that we don't know how his knee's going to be. Presumably, a lot of talk about United's business arrangement being to do with FFP but I would thought it's more knee than FFP because I don't really understand what difference it makes in terms of United spending I guess there's a big outlay if we pay it up all at once but doesn't doesn't it all get amortized and all that sort of thing yeah yeah in fact it does in FFP they uh, they um you amortize it out over the length of the contract in fact you start again if you sign a player up on a new contract which is exactly what Manchester City have done with a, a bunch of their purchases recently so it's it's cheaper to pay your players more money sometimes than by signing them up on a new contract earlier than it is by amortizing out the length through the length of the contract so it's it's uh, to do with uh, the three-year rolling period I suppose if you believe that argument actually United denied this one said it wasn't an issue at all so my back of a Fag packet calculations uh, came out around 150 million net spend this summer, but of course it's over a three-year rolling period anyway. So last summer and next summer will also count, or the previous two summers will also count into that. So, and if they really need to lose some of the uh, the uh, amortized spend, they just uh, offer new contracts to the players, right? And that all all makes sense. So it means that to me, it seems like this is a loan to make sure that he is at his best again, uh, which is extremely sensible for Manchester United and you know not far off what they were trying to do with Vidal if rumours are to be believed that they were trying to get a structured deal and all that sort of thing Uh, and that's what they've done with Falcao and Falcao's knee so that sort of answers the question of why we've gone for him with his dodgy knee and we didn't go for Vidal because Juventus were not up for that. Yeah well yeah and uh, I guess we'll have the same question with uh, Kevin Streetman in the winter as well if if those rumours are to be believed that United are still in for him. So what what is it with the players and dodgy knees that we keep going for? Ruud van Nistelrooy snapped his cruciate didn't he, before he joined United and eventually joined United. Owen Hargreaves famously had years and years of tendonitis in his knee. Now Vidal, Strootman and Falcao. I think maybe it's just because lots of the best players in the world get knee problems because being really good at football is quite bad on the knees, isn't it? So Talking of lots of the best players... Falcao not the signing anyone expected because we've already got really good centre forwards. What do you make of the whole Rooney, Van Persie, Falcao situation? Uh, I think it's uh, great to have competition in that that uh, that area of the pitch. So if we're assuming that United is still going to play a 3-5-2, that's two strikers on the pitch. And, and uh, since they've just let another two go, that's only three uh, they have to play in those two positions. So uh, on that calculation, United might actually be a bit light I guess we assume that James Wilson is now number four in 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 that sort of system. So I I don't see this as a problem. I saw a million headlines saying where will Falcao fit in. Well, it's not going to be at centre back, mate. Let me give you a clue about that one. You know, it's uh, he'll fit in just fine. He's a he's a world class forward, and uh, I would think the player at most risks there is Rooney and. 
because he's the he's the player that's form is the worst, I suppose, or form on performances have deteriorated the most. Uh, he's also the player he's lost a bag of pace, which is why people are talking about him playing in midfield. Whether he can actually do that or not, I don't know. I mean, every time I've actually seen him play in midfield, uh, he looks for the Hollywood ball all the time. He doesn't actually play it simple. I'm not sure he would be first choice in that midfield either with Di Maria Blinton Herrera in there. So, but interesting times, of course. Van Persie's not exactly had a great fitness record over the last few years either. So we can probably expect one or both of them to be injured at some point. And the thing is, that, I mean, that was always my thing about Welbeck, that you know there would be plenty of opportunities for him given that one of the other two will be injured the whole time. But now it's pretty clear that that was you know the whole Falcao thing and the Welbeck and Hernandez thing were all kind of intertwined, weren't they? I guess let, let's just get into it, shall we? Let's just get into the whole, well, what does this mean about Man United spirit and all that kind of stuff that's been talked about in the last couple of days? And I think, I think there's, some, there's some valid questions and there's some valid discussion to be had. But I also think there's been an, a fairly enormous overreaction because of the symbolism of replacing Danny Welbeck with Falcao, which is essentially what we've done. I mean, that is replacing a local lad, et cetera, et cetera, with a absolutely top level superstar and you know to be completely rationalist about it you would have to be completely barking mad not to think that Falcao's an upgrade on Danny Welbeck all of this of course happens within the context that up until you know Monday he was my favorite player at United by miles you know but nobody in their right mind thinks he's better actually better than Falcao but you wrote a really beautiful eloquent thing on Twitter about how it's more than just about that there is there is a fairly potent symbolic change that's happened with that switch yeah so look Danny Welbeck who, who while he was your fa- favorite player was apparently dreaming of moving to Arsenal so he says envisaging that's very envisaging. very very different headline writers said he was dreaming he didn't yes I'm not sure it's 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 a subtle difference, subtle difference. Anyway, he wanted to play for Arsenal, not United. You're dead to me, Danny. He was that guy, not anymore. So look, it's all of that. It's it's on the pitch. Falcao's a better player, so this is an upgrade for United. That's why why United are paying fifty million for Falcao and received sixteen million for Danny Welbeck. You know, it's market forces at work there. It's the market saying that Falcao's three times better than Danny Welbeck. I'm not quite sure that'd play out, but you know, hey, fair enough. Um, but then the, the the whole rest of it is is about the the symbolism of United ditching an academy player, probably the leading academy player of, of this cohort, for a global superstar, in order to feed the machine of globalization, which United are fully into. You know, this is the brand economy these days, and United have seized upon that like uh, almost no other football club on the planet. I think in the next set of results, fifteen sixteen, United will return to the top of the. The tree of the rich league, or the, the most revenues per club, uh, almost certainly, given all the, the revenues piling in for United. And and you need this kind of player in order to do that. You don't necessarily need the local academy player, which is the one that appeals to local fans, not the global base, right? And uh, if you want a, a quick analogy for this one, just, just check the sort of sentiment of uh, local United fans on Twitter versus the global base of Twitter United fans. And I think there's a very different reaction to 
Um, selling Danny Welbeck, I think many, many fans just see him as a talent and a limited talent and one that can be swapped out for a much better talent. It's it's a game of fantasy football, and it's a game of football manager and you just buy another one and you swap one out and it doesn't really matter, does it? But, uh, but when you feel it in the kind of context of United's history, it's a little bit different. Yeah, and I mean, there are, of course, lots and lots and lots of local fans who don't rate Danny Welbeck. That is, they are not in short supply uh, by any means, uh, as my Twitter mentions will will confirm and you know ultimately in my view like I think that the next few years of his career are going to show that he actually had a place at the top level of the game you know and that it was a little bit short-sighted to sell him but not so much short-sighted to sell him as short-sighted to kind of drive him to the point at which he didn't want to play there anymore you know you know this is huge bias on my part but like I think Moyes is a huge part of this problem. You know, I think the way Moyes basically disenfranchised Welbeck and kind of only turned to him in times of need. And then as soon as he wasn't needed, he just didn't, you know, Moyes had no idea how to keep a squad happy. And so when, when he went to Van Gaal and Van Gaal said, no, I'm, you're going to have to fight for your place. You're not going to be an automatic first choice. Welbeck says, no, you know, I, I want out at this point. And I think that's really sad. And I think it's going to be a shame in the long run. I think it's also, there is a massive danger of overblowing the symbolism, right? Because uh, Welbeck and Cleverly, it could be argued, have just not done enough to keep their place at United. And... Well, no, that's fair enough. But it's it's not a case of overblowing the symbolism. I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's to see football in at two extremes alone, right? And as we know, there are many shades in between and... Uh, Welbeck and Cleverly just weren't good enough. Fair enough, you know, if, if United are going on a massive spending and upgrading many positions, midfield was one of them. And uh, I think Moyes and Van Hull after him identified the forwards as another. So they've upgraded both there. So unfortunately, Welbeck and Cleverly, Cleverly's a different kettle of fish, you know. Absolutely. Well, well down the list. Welbeck would have got games this year, but they fell down the list of priorities. And as a result, each decided they wanted to move on, right? Now, I don't think you can play these two arguments, and we, um, we've seen this quite a bit in the media, and, uh, you know, they are trying to play two arguments uh, opposite. One is United needs to spend money in order to get back to the summit, and isn't it disgraceful that United are ditching their history by spending money in order to get back to the summit, right? So I'm afraid, you know, you, you cannot play both of those. United needed to upgrade, uh, and they've upgraded. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I meant. By the way, I, I just want to make it very clear, I wasn't saying that you were overblown the symbolism. I'm saying that I think the discussion has slightly overblown the symbolism because sure. that the idea that somehow Manchester United won't be looking to their academy for players from here on in is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I know there's been extenuating circumstances, but Van Gaal's given first-team debuts to six academy players in, in, well, he did in his first three games, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, like, you know, that it's not going to stop at United. And we have said time and time and time again on this show that the Glazers' reluctance to spend money on the first team has made us go further and further and further away from... You always say, like, are we closer to Barcelona? And then Bayern Munich came along and it's, are we closer to them? And the truth is, like, after this transfer window, it's the first time in a very long time we can look back at a transfer window and go, yes, we are closer to the elite-level clubs because our signings have been at the elite level, but not in a crazy Galacticos way. Falcao is the only one of those which is out on a limb. The Angel de Maria signing is absolutely rational, sensible, 
addressing a need in the squad, all that kind of stuff. So is the, so right. the Falcao one, if you look at it right, by the way, also. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. All right, so look, this is, a, this is a question of balance. So moving on from Falcao, there was a piece by Martin Samuel in the Daily Mail, a classic piece of trolling by him, uh, in which it basically said that, you know, A, United were panicking and they bought all the wrong players and they bought a whole bunch of left-backs and and um, Manchester City never did it like this. Uh, um, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's a total load of nonsense and I'm, I'm sure you've read it uh, as well. So uh, the point being that United this summer have bought a goalkeeper, albeit a 17-year-old, so we'll go into the reserve team, a 16-year-old defender, uh, and then in terms of players that will go straight into the first team, a 20-year-old defender, or 19 when he joined, a uh, 24-year-old defender, 24-year-old midfielder, 26-year-old midfielder, 28-year-old forward. So a spread of ages and a spread of positions. You know, that uh, in the big picture looks uh, looks like a balanced set of acquisitions. Uh, some young and promising, some already established. Yes, uh, most certainly there's a premium paid for a number of those players. So sure, because he's English and young and they're rare. Herrera, because United had to pay the premium to buy him out of his contract, otherwise he would have never moved. Di Maria, because uh, United had to pay the premium to bring a grade-A player to a non-Champions League club. And Falcao, because, well, uh, he joined the tax haven at Monaco and I'm afraid anyone who wanted him had to pay that premium. So, uh, extraneous circumstances, but uh, I guess United feel they can do it. So, you know, you can categorise this in one way as uh, Woodward rubbing his own ego uh, and... Um, making sure that he's getting all these stars he wants for marketing, or, or it was a fairly balanced uh, set of transactions. And I, I think, as we were saying about the the previous discussion, the truth, of course, is in the middle, right? That's because there's no doubt that Edward Wood was freaking out with joy about signing Falcao and Di Maria, you know, especially after all the stick he got uh, a few weeks ago. Pretty ill-timed stick, it turns out, actually, because... You cannot argue that Edward Wood has had a disastrous transfer window. I mean... No, not with the results, but you, you might say, um, aside from Sean Herrera that were fixed um, some time ago, uh, the others look a bit odd. Di Maria very, very late in the window, Falcao at the very last moment, in fact, after the window had closed, and Blint, since this was a player that they'd obviously made the assumption they could sign at any point, very late in the window again, right? So it, it doesn't look like the strategy makes a lot of sense, uh, and it feels a lot opportunistic which is what a lot of people are picking up on in order to throw criticism Woodward's way yeah and I think that's that's the thing right that's the balance of it it's not like he's suddenly become a football executive in god you know that's that's not what's happened although of course the cult of Woodward will grow as a result of this which is really unfortunate because it's all fun and games until someone points out that he's the man that orchestrated the leverage buyout you know Ed Woodward is basically living out I think I said this a couple of weeks ago but he's living out a childhood fantasy on the basis of having stolen the club you know so he's not one of the good guys even though he seems like reasonably personable and stuff anyway uh all that all that aside let's go back to tr- talking about the transfers because on the last day there was a ton of activity well back out I mean loads of people really genuinely upset about that I must admit that is as sad as I've been about anything in football for a really long time you know I always go on about how you know you you made fun of me last week for doing my whole it's only football bit but you know the Welbeck departure actually was was a little difficult to take and you know 
lots of people going, oh, how are we ever going to get over it? And you know, you'll get over it fine. We've all lost players we loved. <laughs> you know, that's that happened. Remember when Cantona retired? Well, yeah. But look, this will make it easier. I've envisaged myself playing in this team before. For it to finally happen is very exciting. I really do believe that coming to Arsenal is the right decision, right? So this is something that Welbeck pushed for. So it's sad that he's gone. In the end, I think the player had the decision. So, uh, oh yeah, for sure. Van Hal's very straight about this. He he, he said, to, I'm sure, you know, paraphrasing here. Uh, well, bet your your third or fourth choice, mate. Uh, third, yeah. third choice, fourth choice, probably. Rooney, Van Persie, Falcao. Uh, oh, yeah. Make 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 <laughs> yeah. your own decision up. Uh, and yeah, he's made yeah. the sensible one there and, and gone so where I hope he plays I mean he'll certainly play up front for a while because Giroud's out and although a lot of the talk is that Wenger would like to use Sanchez down the middle I think that Welbeck will get an opportunity to play down the middle to start with and, and that's his opportunity to make that spot his own I mean, It's a fantastic move for him it seems pretty odd to be honest that we would be happy to sell him to us no, no, no. I suspect that's probably why that deal went right down to the wire to see if there was anywhere else we could get him to go because it does very much directly strengthen a rival he's just going to be perfect for their style you know and it's the you know it's the ideal club for him to go to in that sense you know he grew up really admiring I think all this talk of it the envisaging in playing there it all comes back to the fact that he was a big Thierry Henry fan growing up as well he should have been, you know, as a young striker. I think uh, if you'd given him a choice between being the star striker at Arsenal and the star striker at Manchester United, I don't think he would have chosen to move to London under those circumstances. Maybe, though, if you gave uh, Hernandez the choice between being star striker at Manchester United and star striker at Real Madrid, he might have picked Madrid as his destination. How on earth have they taken him off our hands? Well, again, that Van Hal has seen him as as sort of fourth choice. So I don't, I don't mean how on earth have we got rid of him I mean how on earth has he ended up at Real Madrid they need another striker they just don't have that many on the books and uh, they didn't want to do the deal for for Falcao it seems so his agent has said uh, didn't want to stump up the money there Hernandez much cheaper option he won't be starting the game so he's going to go from bit part player at United to bit part player at Real Madrid I'm not sure that's going to suit him particularly well but uh, there you go He'll, he'll score goals in Spain of course he will and uh, he'll also be offside an awful lot in Spain and uh, not contribute much to the general all-round play in Spain. And he'll be just the same player. But if he gets games, he'll score goals. But Madrid playing a very flexible way up front, don't they? And uh, I'm not sure he's going to get inside ahead of Benzema. So when you, you talk about Benzema, Bale, Ronaldo and James Rodriguez all being fit, uh, Hernandez isn't getting in that side. No, but I guess there'll be lots of times when they are not all fit and he'll he'll get a game. And I, and I hope he does well there. You know, he's a very likeable character for his first couple of seasons at United and kind of don't really blame him for turning last season because he, he was handled extremely poorly by, uh, by old Moisey again. You know, I'm not at all sad about Hernandez leaving. I know a lot of people are because he's very lovable. And, you know, I, I enjoyed his lovability. But actually... He went pretty snidey last season, didn't he? You know, well, he went a bit passive aggressive with his, yeah, uh, yeah. his Twitter and Instagram feed. So, um, yeah, he was obviously clearly frustrated, and and that has uh, has boiled over into him taking a move that might not be the best for him. I, I'm a little surprised he didn't push for a, a move to a club where he'd started all the time. But I suppose when Madrid come calling. It's not that surprising. What it does mean, of course, is that James Wilson, I, I assume, is going to be sort of fourth choice. He might get a few games this season. There's not going to be that much football. United don't play in anything other than the Premier League until January. 
and that's when we get knocked out by some the division cloggers. Uh, by then, we'll just be purring our way towards the league title. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe so. Yeah, so but but not a lot of games basically. So Wilson didn't go out on loan. Uh, some other players did, uh, and so we'll see with him. You know, if he's not got a game by January, then that might be the time for him to to go out on loan somewhere. Um, a couple other departures. Tom Lawrence went to Leicester permanently. Yeah. Yeah, four-year contract, uh, and Nick Powell also went to Leicester, but on a loan, which suggests that uh, the club still feel that there's um, there's a chance for him to make it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great move for Tom Lawrence. I mean, fantastic. Lovely to, when our academy products get that Premier League move, isn't it? And uh, I think he'll be a great acquisition for Leicester. So that that's I'm you know somebody described it on Twitter as a ruthless from Van Gaal to get rid of him, but I just think it's actually. Perfectly reasonable. United have got a, uh, as you say, not many games and plenty of players in attacking positions. Not not a good place to be coming through. Great for him. Great for Nick Powell to get that year's loan as well. So he's got to make the most of it. Yeah, it's probably Nick Powell's last chance. So Tom Lawrence, I'm not that surprised. I mean, to be honest, we I said on the pod at the end of last season when he had a couple of games that I was a little surprised that he'd got this far at United. And uh, so there you go. You know, I think uh, we'll see whether he can make it in the Premier League uh, at Leicester. Not guaranteed. No, but I, I think he's got a good chance. And I think Nick Powell, you know, there's a, there's all the attitude stuff, isn't there? Drink driving, few other rumours doing the rounds. So, yeah, he's got to really knuckle down. And another player who left, even though it did not look like he had left, it looked like he had somehow survived the transfer window. But not only does, you know, Sky, like, if, you, if you're not in the UK, you might not get this, but Sky news becomes intolerable on deadline day and all day long they've got this ticker counting down to 11 p.m and then it goes off and they show big ben and nothing changes because everyone's got extensions to keep on doing deals and tom cleverly's deal was ratified lunchtime uh yesterday or tuesday as we record this uh tom cleverly after aston villa on loan having tried to get to everton that didn't work out yes Many many barriers on all sides. Uh, Villa, the only club that pre- were prepared to pay the fee that United wanted. Cleverly wanting higher wages and Villa were prepared to pay. So uh, it, it's all a little bit strange. So he's gone there on loan. Uh, United have the option to pull him back and Villa have the option to buy him permanently because he's out of contract next summer anyway. Although I think given his age, uh, United would get some kind of fee for him anyway. But so it won't be much. Anyway, low millions uh, and another chance for for Cleverly. I guess he he certainly wasn't going to be in Van Hal's plans. Um, he'll always have preseason when he was captain for a game. Uh, that'll be the highlight of his United career. It never took off in the way that it should. Uh, he was unlucky with injuries. He was uh, less unlucky with bravery because I think that was part of the problem. I don't mean physical bravery. I think bravery in terms of his passing. He just got very very passive as a player makes almost no key passes and, and he's just not become the player that many people thought he would be sort of five years ago. No, Doran Solomon wrote a lovely article about this for Stretford and my problem with the way that people analyse him is that they take what you've just said and they basically turn that into hate for Cleverly. You know, it's the same with Darren Gibson, hounded off social media by United fans products of our academy and actually when it comes down to the culture of United the problem isn't just how the club's acting but it's also how the fans are acting and it isn't as if that is just fans around the world but that's local fans too that's people in the ground you know the Valencia friendly jeering Fellaini's every touch that's Tom Cleverley being basically applauded off the pitch not well done but we're glad you're leaving in the in the Norwich game you know so that's happening in the ground 
And and there is a, yes. there's a cultural problem that because didn't used to be like that. no you know I mean you said something about the academy and the, the quality of the academy and the quality of the quality of the work they're doing. But one of the problems is that as soon as they get into the first team, they're thrown to the lions. And it almost happened to Darren Fletcher, but Darren Fletcher has almost superhuman mental strength, you know, um, as we've seen from him coming back from illness in the way he has. So I, I think that the culture of demanding of instant success is the biggest obstacle and impediment to the young players coming through. It's a fair analysis. Um, also, Tom cleverly had Darren Fletcher's mental strength. He might still be at United. He might have been more successful. But I guess that those are all the things that make up a, a top-level footballer, right? And, and cleverly had a few deficiencies. And uh, while I, I agree with you that the criticism of him crossed the line from objectivity into personal attack I just don't think he was good enough for United so in the end that makes a lot of sense United uh, moving him on uh, a lot of sense for the player too um, but he was one of what well, you know some like 15 players that have left United this summer since we were on departures I mean we t- talked about Powell going uh, Enriquez went of course uh, playing in Croatia this year a bit weird that one Bebe finally left permanently Nani left on loan Ferdinand, Vidic and Evra all left uh, or were given free transfers. One player who didn't leave, who after seven years at the club is still stealing a wage, is Anderson. How on earth is Anderson still a Manchester United player? Anderson, son, son, he's a transfer magician. Anderson, son, son, his contract goes on and on. It's unbelievable. He's just... I mean, it's clear that just nobody wanted him. That's the thing. Uh, um, At a boy called Young on Twitter, tweeting on transfer deadline day, today is so much like football manager, I'm expecting Anderson's contract to be terminated by mutual consent. (laughs) Um, But it was not, because that isn't a thing that happens in real life. But if it was football manager, he definitely would have been. How many games are you going to play this season, barring catastrophic midfield injuries one two yeah not many not many I mean although look if we're making the assumption that there's going to be sort of three midfielders one attacking one defensive and one all-rounder then I guess he could get into that all-rounders position if we have a few injuries so you know in, in that sort of competitive dynamic is is Blint Herrera Fletcher Di Maria Mata and I guess Rooney if if there's some thought about moving him a bit further further back and then Anderson will come after that I'm so depressed by talk of Rooney in midfield it's just well the one thing that kind of is heartening is he's only going to try it three times right before he completely gives up on it as a completely unworkable idea yes I mean as I mentioned earlier I think uh, I'm not convinced that he can play there I know a lot of people think he can but I think that's just an assumption based on some of his skill set so I think his problem when he's playing at number 10 is he's not really number 10 he doesn't dictate the the tempo of the game, his first touch is horrendous. Uh, I'm not sure that he really sees all the spaces. He does get great numbers, of course, um, but he doesn't really play like a number 10. He plays like a sort of deep-lying forward. When he plays further back in midfield, I think his tendency is to hit early ball uh, all of the time. Uh, so I'm not sure he plays a lot of simple passes. Um, so could you play him behind Matter or... Di Maria as one of the two. I'm not sure about that. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it'll all play out in the the rest of the season, whether he's a, he's a member of that kind of midfield sort of quintet or maybe six players who, who are going to compete for positions there. Um, one of them, I'm pretty sure, is not going to compete for too many games. Is Anderson, though. Very, very odd that he's still at the club, even given that a lot of clubs didn't want him. Porter apparently turned down the opportunity to take him. So... 
there you go. He's going to be at the club for one final year. Maybe he'll go out alone in the winter again, uh, and that'll be it for Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. I like our kind of policy of just sending back people to where we got them from if we don't like them anymore. It's a Daily Mail policy, that is it. <laughs> Get back to where you came from. Um, the 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 thing about the Rooney criticism is, I feel like in the interest of balance, we've pretty much passed over a lot of the Van Persie criticism too because he's barely had a good game in the last six months and it's clearly about fitness with him there was a lot of rumours doing the rounds that he needed a knee operation but he's denied that so who knows what the situation is there presumably you can take him at his word about that I don't see why he'd uh, lie about it if it's the case there is a bit of a difference between Bad Rooney and Bad Van Persie though which is that Bad Van Persie tends to like make sense you can sort of know why that's happening and there isn't there's some sort of assumption that he's going to come back to fitness but I think Rooney will get plenty of games as a centre forward you know but in a partnership with Falcao Rooney is inherently going to be the one who's the more creative centre forward and that is a bit of a shame because it is nice when Rooney can be the player whose only job it is to get goals because that's what he's best at yes well um, I mean that that's because of some of those those problems I just mentioned of course him having lost a yard of pace also means that it loses some of his edge up front. I think it's a pretty key season for Rooney. We'll see. You know, it's uh, could be one in which uh, he transitions out of being a permanent member of the side, although maybe not. You know, we'll see. Uh, up to him in the way you you'd think that Van Hal comes uh, with a reputation for not playing on other people's reputations too much, and uh, we'll see how long that takes to play out. Elsewhere, our, our new signings in defence. Sure, we've not seen much of yet because of injury Rojo we've seen nothing of still hasn't got a work permit we're told that he will get it at some point just because he's the Argentinian Tony Soprano and goes around smashing people over the head with bottles doesn't mean he shouldn't get a work permit right and then in the final hours of the window uh, a new defender stroke defensive midfielder stroke anything else stroke ladies man pin-up model Daily Blint joined from Ajax for £14 million remarkable cheekbones absolutely remarkable and I say this you know purely as aesthetic appreciation but my goodness what a set of cheekbones he's got on him if he can play half as good as he can pose for extremely well put together photographs to make him look handsome then uh, he's, we're going to be just fine yeah well, there's a man who doesn't mind uh, nude pictures of himself floating around the internet uh, no slightly different um, you've consistently said he's going to be great a, a yard of pace short of being very outstanding I mean a fantastic signing that one like makes all kinds of sense look at the price you know 14 million just seems bang on the money reasonable of course it's crazy to talk about that money is reasonable but that that just seems like the fee we should be playing for a player like that can play in all sorts of positions van gaal knows him inside out and loves him to bits there is no doubt in my mind that van gaal will at some point give an interview about what a fantastic human being daily blind is and yeah i mean I'm, i'm excited i think it's a wonderful signing for the balance and also it sort of makes this idea that all we're doing is signing up galacticos look even more laughable well yeah we've bought the Dutch John O'Shea. The Dutch John O'Shea, yeah. Mm, I think it's a, it's a good signing for the squad. What I do think it leaves United feeling is just a little bit lightweight in midfield. So if you think a, a three of Daly Blint, uh, Angel Di Maria and, and a Herrera, it might feel a bit lightweight. So there isn't that physical presence. They did want to bring in Arturo Vidal, couldn't get it done. Looked at bringing William Cavallo in, um, who does 
provided physical presence. It wasn't wasn't very good, Cavalio. I, I don't know whether you saw the Lisbon derby the other day. He didn't have a very good game. Maybe they passed over him because they didn't think he was quite ready for United. And and so as a result, we'll we'll play out the season without that kind of physical presence. And and you know it does mean that United are quite a small side as well. And we'll we'll see whether that affects us in some games. Yeah, uh, more you know, tiki taka coming, isn't it? That's that's what's that's going to be the antidote. Well, let's hope so because it was all Route One against Burnley. <laughs> yes, quite a uh, brilliant question on the subject of Rooney that just came up a minute ago. At LA Sebastian Ten said, "In all seriousness, is it weird that our captain and vice captain are probably the worst players in their positions?" Very harsh on Fletch. That Fletch is still much better than Anderson in terms of his uh, capacity to provide an all-round contribution. But yeah, there's definitely an argument that Rooney is the third best of the three centre forwards. The most certainly is but anytime I mention anything like that I get a bag full of hate mail so uh, <laughs> yes he's the third best of our three centre forwards <laughs> yeah absolutely so another player that went out Shinji Kagawa has been freed he's returned to the well he's quite literally returned to the loving embrace of Jurgen Klopp if you've seen the vine of them two meeting again yes yeah, big, big hug to the eye. yes very very cheap though I mean talk about good value for money that 8 million euros uh, for Shinji Kagawa you know 5.5 million pounds or so Super, super value for money. I mean, he's only gone for a million more than Alexander Butner went for. Uh, interesting that, because he had a long time left on his contract. So I guess that's just a reflection of uh, of the fact that he just didn't do much at United. But but uh, I don't think United have cashed into the full value there. No, and you know, I'm a fully paid up member of the Shinji Kagawa Defence Force, you know, so... You can't take anything I say about this subject seriously. I, I desperately, desperately wanted him to succeed at United because I just love the way he plays football. But it has definitively not happened. So that's a that's a permanent transfer, is it? That's not a, a season-long loan like everything else. No, that's a, that's a permanent transfer, yep. He's gone, never to return. <sighs> OK, well, anyway, I'm happy for him and for Jürgen to renew their beautiful friendship and he can bring him back with him when he takes over from Van Gaal in five years' time. <laughs> so, yeah, other significant outgoings. I think we've we've covered them all at various different stages. We talked a lot in last week, well, earlier this week's show about uh, Angel de Maria and what a fantastic signing it is. I mean... To me, that is the signing of the window, maybe for anyone anywhere, you know, head over heels with that signing. I think it's phenomenal and I think there's very little doubt he's going to be a superstar at United. I think he will be. I think uh, even in the sort of hour and a bit that he got for United against Burnley, he showed that he's a a class above, uh, I think, as soon as he settles in and and the team kind of gels because it will take a a while now because there's a lot of new faces uh, to fit into that side in a new system, then then he's going to be a great signing for United. Then we can, instead of... uh, Reading all the articles about how United are ripping their history apart by buying players, uh, we'll read articles about how United are buying success. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is laughable, the, the press response to United, isn't it? It is, as you say, they spent the whole time talking about how United desperately needed to invest at a higher level in order to compete in Europe and they'd let themselves slip and all that was perfectly accurate, but now they've actually spent it. They just don't like it, do they? The only one that's the exception, shout out to the H-Dog, Henry Winter, with a, basically an article just saying that United have bought brilliant players and that's brilliant. So good on good on the age dog for that one. Yeah, very good. Well, a quick review of our competitors' purchases uh, because it, you know it's relevant. So you know Arsenal have finally bought themselves a striker in Danny Welbeck. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't think there's any guarantee of success with that one, but uh, he, he'll certainly uh, score some goals for them. Chelsea bought Costa and Fabregas and uh, Felipe Luis. Everyone 
seems to make the assumption that they've done the best business. They certainly bought the players they needed to buy in the positions they needed to buy them in. They look pretty formidable. Manchester City, kind of underwhelming transfer window for them in a way, wasn't it? So um, on the last day, they sent uh, Mika Richards out on loan to Fiorentina. Slightly uh, odd one, that one, but left uh, Scott Sinclair in the squad just to play, I don't know, I think it's uh, UEFA homegrown status position which basically means he won't play a game all season and they, they bought Fernando uh, to go alongside Fernandinho in midfield so you know they, they haven't done a lot of business I sent Negredo away to Valencia of course a big big money there 25 million euros so it doesn't feel like they've massively upgraded their squad over the summer Mangala will see how he fits in you know he's still a bit raw I think for the money they paid Liverpool's swapped one nutcase for another nutcase Suarez for Balotelli if he fulfills his sort of talent and potential at Liverpool and doesn't go mental, £16 million is going to look very, very cheap for Balotelli. And I suppose it's a risk they could take. Uh, still, you wonder whether those 30-odd goals that Suarez scored will, will you know, be enough to drop them out of the uh, Champions League places. Anyway, you know, it. I think the net net of all of this is that it's going to be a very tight battle. I, I do think Chelsea are favourites. I think Manchester City are second favourites. But I think Liverpool, Arsenal... And United uh, are very well matched for those last Champions League places. Yeah, and I think that actually Arsenal's is more vital. If it wasn't for Arsenal never falling out of the top four, like ever, 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 I would be thinking that their place is much more vulnerable than Liverpool. I don't know, I don't agree with you generally about the quality of Liverpool's transfer window. I, I think they brought in Moreno, they brought in a bunch of squad players to, that will improve their squad and like three, three players that will in, improve their first team. And they've got Sterling another year on in his development, uh, Coutinho another year on in his. Okay, Gerard is going to be increasingly a problem, but I think they've they've had a, a pretty fantastic transfer window because also Balotelli is much a much more manageable problem than Suarez because when he's a problem, he's a problem and you leave him out the side and then when he's not, he's yeah. not, you know. Well, I guess I guess that's true. It's the inconsistency in the performances and the fact that he disappears in some games that's uh, the bigger problem rather than the yeah. setting his house on fire with fireworks or whatever else he does. <laughs> but, you know, I tell you what, I, I'd... Uh, I'd rather have uh, Di Maria and Falcao or Balotelli and Adam Lallana. It's, it's it's not a debate, is it? No, I mean, United have had the best transfer window out of anyone because Chelsea's need uh, has been addressed in a very good way and they've had a very good transfer window too, but they weren't in quite as dire straits as we were. United have had a transfer window that's rebuilt the squad to the core really um i spent all last season arguing that the squad didn't need a major overhaul and uh, it has in fact got one yes and and wonderful quote from van hal in a dutch newspaper today where uh, and it came with all exclamations which of course you know it it didn't when he said it although he does have a tendency to talk in exclamations i think yeah Uh, he said um you know i had a problem at bayern and this was in 2010 they'd only got two draws out of their first three games and early honus called me into the uh, office to explain what I did. He said, I've had a problem here. And the club just kept buying. And then they just kept buying more. Uh, and it feels like they have great faith in me. You know, which is a nice quote and a nice summary of, of where United are. So you can characterise this as panic and desperation to retain the status and the fact that the squad had been degraded to the point that, that all this money was spent. And, you know, in some respects, all of that is true. But it's also true that they found a man that they do believe is the right man to instigate this change. Uh, And they've backed him, the club have backed him with lots and lots and lots of money to do it. Now it's all up to Van Gaal. He's got the tools. He might be missing a central defender and a tough tackling midfielder, but he's got most of the tools to 
Make sure United qualify for the Champions League this season. Yeah, I had to do a thing grading United's transfer window and giving each of the players a letter grade and I gave the transfer window as a whole an A minus which is a pretty fantastic result for a United transfer window we haven't had an A minus level transfer window since 2008 I don't think you know it's not an A plus because we didn't sign Vidal and Hummels I don't mean literally but you know those equivalents but everything else has been addressed so great you know we you can't get it all right can't all work out and you know I, I'm less worried about centre half than other people are because we bring in two defenders you know obviously Luke Shaw's not a central defender but Rocco can play there and there's a lot of talk about how we haven't replaced Ferdinand and Vidic and I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before so I apologise if it's a repetition but we have replaced Ferdinand and Vidic it hasn't come to fruition yet and it might never do but Jones and Smalling were brought in for that exact job you know, that's they were brought in as transitional players to to bring through to that level, and it remains to be seen whether they'll achieve that. My my sort of heart suggests that Phil Jones will and Chris Smalling won't, but I wouldn't I wouldn't write either of them off or on yet. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair enough. So there, yeah, A minus for the transfer window. Yeah, I, I might go for a B plus because I think there's too many question marks over too many players to to say uh, it's definitely in the A category yet. So um, I think uh, lots of good players, you know, we'll see how Shaw develops. We'll see whether Rojo is any good at this level because he's certainly not been tested uh, and in central defence um, against Premier League standard strikers. Daily Blint, we'll see whether his pace is a problem. Under Herrera, he's got to stamp his authority on games in a way he hasn't done quite yet. And Falcao? In the, in the, 60, in the 60 minutes of Premier League football he's had? Yeah. Well, you know, and in the pre-season six or seven games that he featured in too, you know, not saying he won't, but he hasn't yet. Uh, and Falcao will see about his knees. So there's plenty of question marks to go with the, uh, this feels very exciting. And, uh, you know, you bring five players in, um, not all of them are going to work out. So uh, I think it's it's fair to say that some one no. of these five players will not work out. And uh, we'll see who it is in the year to come. Yeah, Absolutely. I almost don't like to do this, but who's your guess? Uh, so I think the one that's most risky is Rojo. Yeah. You know, I think he's he's a fine player. and He had a very, very good World Cup at left back and left wing back. He He's played most of his football in the centre of defence for Sporting last season. Uh, it's a big leap from the Portuguese league to the Premier League, and it's going to be a very steep learning curve for him. So I think that's the one where he might find it a little difficult in the in the first year. I think the rest of them, it, it will be much more natural. And Di Maria is so classy, he shouldn't have a problem at all. Yeah, and fuck out. Like, keep, keep coming back to this. But, you know, if it wasn't for the question mark about his knee... This is signing Ronaldo or Messi. This is signing an unattainably brilliant footballer. Like he's he's in the the absolute elite. Like in that season that that Atletico won the Europa League, Sid Lowe every week on the Guardian podcast was talking about how Falcao's the best player in the league. He's better he's playing better than Ronaldo or Messi. And, you know, there isn't a higher compliment than that, is there? It's just ridiculous. I, I just, I really hope that his mobility isn't affected because the last thing we need is another brilliant but slightly immobile centre-forward. Yeah, um, so there you go. That's the transfer window that was. We can start speculating about the January transfer window now, can't we? Because uh, apparently United have, so rumours say, lined up biz for Hummels and Strootman already. So there you go. That would turn it from a B to an A++++. Brilliant. Um, and we would have also have a, a team that looks uh, very, very different than it did 18 months ago. And I, I suppose that's what 
in the end, um, most fans were saying that investment was needed. That yes, Moyes was a problem, but when you bring in a, a coach of Van Hal's obvious credentials, and he also says that there's a problem, uh, which he has done privately, and he's admitted that, then investment was needed. And the the club have um, have put up the cash, and uh, now it's up to Van Hal to make all that cash uh, into success on the pitch. And you know, there's no better man to do it. And if Van Hal can't do it, I don't think anyone else could so there we go onwards and upwards I think yeah absolutely onwards and upwards too uh, given that we've got a bit of time this week because there's no games to talk about let's do we've got hundreds of Twitter questions we won't do hundreds but let's do let's do a little a couple of extra so at Maz underscore man underscore UTD says do we have the highest percentage of left footed players ever assembled yeah 12 I think it is at the moment so you can definitely put a team together without the goalkeeper uh, of left footers so we've got Shaw uh, and um, Rojo at the back. Uh, Evans is two-footed, although right-footed mainly, so he doesn't count. Daily Blint, obviously. Di Maria. Uh, Mata is a left-footer. Falcao is two-footed, but uh, tell me when he strikes one in from 35 yards with his left foot that he's not left-footed. Van Persie, obviously. Uh, Blackett. Who else? Have I, am I missing anyone? Uh, 12, I counted, anyway. Yeah, there's something like that. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, which what foot's Herrera? He's right-footed. All right, there you go. And, oh, Anderson, Anderson is left-footed as well. So, Although you <laughs> might say he has two left feet. Um, well, that would be a good thing in his case because he's left-footed. Um, so uh, one departure we didn't mention that, that's just come through today, bizarrely enough, proving furthermore that the Sky countdown's ridiculous. But Guillermo Varela has gone to Real Madrid on loan. I don't understand what that's all about, but... Guillermo Ferrer, yes, um, a surprising one, no doubt. Uh, a man who didn't always look like he'd make it at United. Uh, I wouldn't say he'd, he has starred in the uh, reserves by any means so far. Good luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'd, be, it'd be really interesting to, to see what happens. Uh, one person we haven't talked about, Aaron Sohal, asks, uh, should we have loaned out Adnan Yanazai too? And... I think no, ultimately, especially not if we're going to play a 4-3-3. But out of the whole of United squad, apart from maybe Rooney, he's the one who the transfer window has had the biggest effect on of people that have stayed. Because there's a lot of players uh, that want to play in the same positions he want to play. Well, yes. So so in the number 10 role, Mata, uh, and uh, on the left side, Di Maria, and up front, Falcao. So... Um, you know, in the last 12 months or so, spent a lot of money in positions that Yanis would want to play. And he's got talent enough to slot into all sorts of different positions. But yeah, the window has, has been a bit of a problem for him. Uh, should we have sent him out on loan? No, because he's too talented to let him play elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And 4-3-3 with Falcao up the middle, Rooney and Van Persie on the bench, uh, Di Maria on one side and Yanis on the other side sounds really, really good to me. Um. At VJ underscore Rajan1 says, as great as Falcao's signing is, do you think LVG has dropped the Tom Bowler and formed the Manchester United donut? Worryingly poor centre midfield and defence. And I actually really disagree with the notion that we're worryingly poor in either of those positions now. I think that we are a little short and we maybe lack the perfect blend, but we've bought three central midfielders in this transfer window. If you include Blint and Di Maria as central midfielders, which they definitely both are you know yeah so so so, so i think the the analysis is is the one i said before you know we're, we're lacking experienced central defender because uh, smalling jones and evans uh, all have a tendency towards injury and smalling and jones haven't progressed in the way that we'd have liked them to progress 
James's uh, early performances this season are positive, aren't they? Not so much Smalling, who's of course injured again, uh, and Rojo. Uh, we don't know how he'll develop, and I, I just suspect there's a, a learning curve there. So. Uh, short defence, I think. Uh, in midfield, just a little bit lightweight, uh, as I said before, you know, just missing that physical presence still. So uh, I don't think it's worryingly poor, but a little bit short, and those shortages tend to play out, especially in the bigger games. Yeah, although I feel like we're less short there than we've been, I'm not in defence, but we're less short in midfield by a hell of a long way than we've been in a hell of a long time, you know. So so that's that's. I just don't think the donut is in effect in the same way. If anything, it's now a... Um, no, I can't think of any good analogy. It's an upside-down cake or something, you know. There's just too much up front and in the middle and maybe not, slightly not enough at the back. <laughs> okay, at Machine Gun says, why do you never have me on the rank cast? Because you're too busy on the football flush, Mo. Uh, which you should listen to the football flush, by the way. It's excellent. And then he asks, who would win a fight between Rooney, Falcao and Van Persie? And who would you want to win? I- I'm pretty sure, although I think Van Persie would fight very dirty indeed, Rooney would still win a fight between the three of them, right? Well, Rooney's got that kind of scouse street fighter in him. Van Persie's just too nice. He's a pretty boy. No, no, he's not. Van, Van Persie is not nice. Van Persie mm. is well snide. Well, he might be snide, but I'm not sure he's a, he's a fighter. Falcao, though, he's Colombian. Yeah, you know, Shining Path and all that. I'm just going to go for the full <laughs> um, stereotype here. Yeah, El Tigre. Maybe, maybe El Tigre would win. I think I'd want Van Persie to win the fight, but it's fair to say that... that Falcao might win my fickle heart round. I'd want Danny Welbeck to win the fight. No, not anymore. He's left us. At Lucas underscore M-U-T-D says, why is Mike Phelan so bitter? I don't think he's bitter necessarily. He's just a bit... I don't know. He gave a lot of he gave a lot of United are abandoning their traditions quotes, and in a way, it's, it is. Although I don't agree with him, it is understandable because he worked with you know Welbeck since he was a tiny little lad, and I'm sure a lot of people associated with the club are quite sad to see it happen, and a lot of people will associate it with Ferguson being gone and, and new traditions being in place. So I think that we'll call that a show. Our transfer predictions were pretty vastly wrong, and it's all very different. Last question for you, Ed. This is from rankcast listener at utd rankcast that's me how are we going to line up what is the 11 going to be against qpr on the 14th Uh, i'm going to that game i'm ridiculously excited about it what am i going to see on the pitch at kickoff Uh, i think um well obviously de gea is going to be in there i think the back three is probably going to be something along the lines of jones evans and smalling and or blackett depending on fitness i'm not sure that rojo will um We'll play straight away. He might not be quite ready yet since he spent two weeks in the Madrid embassy doing his best impression of Julian Assange uh, at the moment. Um, and then uh, I, I don't think Shaw's quite ready yet, though he's back in training. So, you know, maybe he'll start against QPR. That's an option. Rafael, I'm not sure if he's fit yet. So, again, that's uh, probably a Tony Valencia. Um, I think he'll uh, he'll throw Blint straight in there to play alongside Herrera and Di Maria and and it'll be Van Persie and Rooney up front, and Falcao will come off the bench to score the winner. Okay, nice. Well, I look forward to that. I'm, I, I think I think I'd be inclined to suggest that that Falcao might start that game, but we'll see. Very exciting times, anyway. Confusing times, unsettling times. I don't blame anyone for being worried, but I'm currently not worried. I think the club's in 
pretty good hands in terms of its leadership and hopefully uh, and I mean I mean Van Gaal I don't mean the higher ranked up leadership and hopefully the succession planning some lessons will be learnt and the 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 team will be in place that that mishandled the previous transition and and they'll get this next transition right in five years time or three years time or whatever and and things will look rosy so we are not doing a podcast now for two weeks so you won't get one next month this Monday just coming now and there won't be one after the QPR game it'll be the week after that if you want to get hold of us in the meantime you can get me at UTD Rantcast on Twitter and get Ed at United Rant uh, you can get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant and the show page at unitedrant.co.uk if you uh, want to help out with the cost of the show and chucking a, a tip in our direction much appreciated everyone that's done that uh, unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks time